back on the air for another Campus Lounge Coaches Show. My name is Matthew McGreevy. I'm joined alongside the Denver Pioneers head coach, David Carl. Campus Lounge located at 701 South University Boulevard and the Denver Pioneers sitting 7-10 and 1-5th in the NCHC with six games remaining in the regular season. Last weekend, Pioneers splitting with Omaha, looking ahead to a weekend at North Dakota and then just four more games left on the slate against Colorado College. But before we get into the show, off the top, want to address an unfortunate loss for the Denver hockey community experienced on Sunday as Ralph Backstrom passed away at 83 years old. Ralph Backstrom passing away in Windsor, Colorado. He was the fifth head coach in program history, served nine seasons behind the bench, six of them winning seasons, was an assistant for a few years as well. Went on to the NHL, had a long tenure there, 1,000 games played over 17 seasons, six-time Stanley Cup champ, and then he doesn't stop there. He could have stopped there. His playing career, his coaching career, so impressive, but went on to found the Colorado Eagles in 2002, served as the president and GM there for some many successful seasons from 2003 to 2007. So Ralph Backstrom, a great pioneer, a national coach of the year, really the accolades you can you can keep ticking down. Took a team to the Frozen Four in 1986, but Ralph Backstrom, an incredible life, and we celebrate it this week. Yeah, um, very sad moment, uh, obviously, for the program. Ralph touched many uh, in our program. I know speaking to a few alumni this week, um, just the, the warm presence that he had and, um, you know, the opportunity to give many men to come into our program here at Denver and, and to to go from, from young men to, to grown men and, and to go on and lead successful lives. And I think just the impact that, that Ralph's had on the game in, in many different ways um, from a player, and you made mention to it, but then locally here um, with the Colorado Eagles and growing the game and in his role in inline hockey as well. Um, you know, it just there's not many facets of the game that uh, Coach Backstrom didn't touch. And uh, obviously our thoughts and prayers are with his family and, and his loved ones that he leaves behind. And um, we're obviously uh, very sad of his passing and um, want to honor his life um, in the best way possible. As we look at all the things that he touched on, it's interesting to see the impact that they still have, especially on the present day, coming down to exactly where we are right now. Of course, the Colorado Eagles play in the Budweiser Event Center, and that's, that's where, where the construction started when Ralph Backstrom founded the Colorado Eagles back in 2002, and that's a place where one of the regionals is going to be held this year for the NCAA tournament, so there's a tie-in there. There's also a tie-in with Rodden Graham, who, of course, is an assistant coach and a longtime administrator at the university. He was the one that hired on Ron Graham, so you can really, you can really look down, and Ron Graham hired who, and from there, how do we end up where we are? And, and, and there's probably a case to be made that there's a lot of people involved with this program still today that have a lot to owe to Ralph Backstrom yeah absolutely I mean he's he's one of the uh you know kind of the founders in 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 a modern day of, of Denver hockey and um his impact I agree with you it's it's felt greatly on on many people that have come through the program and um you know I just again talking to a lot of the alumni uh this week that I have um you know to to hear uh the warmth that, that Ralph had and the opportunity that he gave uh them and the impact he's had on their lives and hadn't having the opportunity to meet Ralph uh for the first time at the 70 year reunion um was a real honor um you know everything that he's accomplished and just a really humble um very down to earth uh man and uh again our thoughts and prayers are are with his family in this uh, time of need for them. 
You're listening to the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with the Denver Pioneers head coach David Carl discussing the life of Ralph Backstrom who passed away at 83 earlier this week. And I've had the opportunity to reach out to a few of the alumni that we've talked about as well as we try to collect some stories about Ralph's life. And and the one thing that seems to keep always coming up is, is how much of a gentleman he was. But there was an interesting tidbit yesterday when I was on the phone with Ron Graham and he said that he used to play tennis quite a bit over the summers with Ralph. And, and in fact, uh, RG would get pretty upset when he would get beat. He said he broke his racket a couple times, but but Ralph did the same. And, and all in all, it was in good fun. And he made made sure to mention that, that Ralph was always always a gentleman through and through and very thorough in everything he did going down to, to the equipment, to managing the budgets. He, he had his hand on the pulse of quite a bit. So certainly celebrating the life of Ralph Backstrom. And one thing that I was interested in asking you, as we've talked about motivation for this team over the course of the season, this is a little bit of a different year in that you don't have fans. You don't have the presence of alumni even stopping by midweek just to check in. And, and maybe they happen to bump into some of the players on the current team and have a conversation. And there are more touch points in a normal year where the team understands uh, the the 71 year history of this program. When something like this happens, where Ralph Backstrom passes away, how do you communicate the importance of that to the team? Do you even need to do that? What what's said, or or maybe what's uh, I, I'll, I'll leave it open ended. I think you know where I'm going. Yeah. Um, no, I think any any time something like this happens, or um, you know, it, it is a, a moment for us to reflect on. On again, just the the people that have come before us, and, and the opportunities that we have, and the the gratitude that we should have toward uh, people like Ralph, and you know, I think uh, another example of that is Joy Burns, um, you know, passing away at the end of the summer, um, unfortunately, and uh, obviously we're honoring her with a patch on on the back of our jersey, and um, I think our plan would be to do something similar with Ralph um, next season. Uh, so that we can honor him with a full year and um, yeah, talking to uh, our players about it, um, you know, letting them know obviously the impact that Ralph had and, um, you know, how, how fortunate they are to be a part of something that's really much bigger than, than each and every one of them is, is, is a focus and an emphasis when something like this happens. So um, we're all grateful to be a part of this program. We realize how lucky we are. Um, and it wouldn't be uh, here, the opportunity wouldn't be available if it wasn't for people like Ralph or Joy. You're listening to the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with the Denver Pioneers head coach, David Carl. My name, Matthew McGreevy. Denver Pioneers 7-10-1, fifth in the NCHC with six games left in the regular season. Last weekend, a split against Omaha was a 3-1 win on Friday and a 5-4 overtime loss on Saturday. Friday's win... Cole Gutman scores the game winner and put you up 2-0 with uh, very early in the third period. And then Hank Crone is able to seal the game with a late power play goal. And then on Saturday night, you led 4-2 after the second period. And Omaha is able to claw back in that game. It obviously doesn't end the way you want it to. The game ends up going to overtime and you lose 5-4. So I I would ask about both separate games, but I have a feeling that Saturday's is is likely uh, more on the mind. But when you look at the weekend as a whole, what, what is your takeaway? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought we had a really good opportunity coming into the weekend to assert ourselves against a team that was right in front of us in the standings and, um, you know, and build off of off the bye week and, and a week there where we thought we played well on both nights, didn't get the result on the, uh, the Sunday night game in Omaha, but um, thought we played well enough to have an opportunity to win and be in a hockey game. And 
Um, and then fast forwarding to this past weekend, um, really liked our attitude and, and our mindset for for five periods. And um, and then obviously on, on Saturday, um, you know, in the third period, it, it, it certainly got away from us and not the way we we want to close out a hockey game. Um, you know, I think our our power play two minutes into that, three minutes into that period was really indicative of how the game was going to go. You could tell that um, whatever juice that we had in the first and second uh, was not there um, when we had an opportunity to go out and make it 5-2 and kind of put the nail in the coffin. And even if you don't score, but you have a good power play, you generate some chances, it still kind of puts some fear into the opponent that like, gosh, these guys aren't going away. And um, I think we really opened the door on that power play, and, and they probably saw and got life off that penalty kill um, that we weren't we weren't ready to close out the game, and that's the most disappointing part of the weekend. Um, you know, we did some good things again. We we show ourselves that we're a really good hockey team. We can dominate the puck possession. We can take away time and space. We can not give up many chances, um, and and then we we shoot ourselves in the foot and. Uh, we want to make life hard on ourselves there in the third period. So, um, more lessons to be learned. Uh, unfortunately, it is what it is, and now we we obviously turn the page. Uh, we talked about it lots on Monday, uh, Tuesday. We start get ready for North Dakota, and uh, do the same here Wednesday as we record on Wednesday morning, and um, and then we'll get up to to Grand Forks and get after it against a real good North Dakota team. As I'm sure is the case in a lot of these games, of course, special teams play a heavy impact, be it the PK or the power play. In this case, it's the inability to score on an extended power play. When you look at the way this season has gone for you, do you find that your five-on-five play has been consistent? And at times, it's been it's been the special teams or, or um, lack of production for the special teams that is, has made the biggest impact on where you are right now? Yeah, I mean, it's an area. Um, you know, I do look at um our five on five play and you know i I think for the most part it, it's been pretty solid we we out chance teams we out attempt teams at the net we out shoot teams um special teams are always a factor in games and um obviously the penalty kill was real leaky early our, our power play was actually pretty good early as we kind of predicted um you know when you look at the nhl bubble uh, power plays were really good early in the bubble and then they got they got uh, the penalty kills started to take over as the uh, as the playoffs went on, and I think the same thing has happened in our league. Certainly, has happened with our team. Our penalty kills gotten better. Our power plays gotten um, a little bit stale at times here over the last two weeks, and um, penalty kills are are improving at, just as ours is. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that the the special teams are are certainly one of many factors um, to our record and. Um, you know, it'd be nice if both were clicking um, at the same time. It'd certainly help. You're listening to the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with the Denver Pioneers head coach, David Carl. My name, Matthew McGreevy, the Denver Pioneers, looking ahead to a weekend at North Dakota. But before we get right to that, there was some news this week. The Frozen Face-Off will see a change in format this year. It'll go to a single elimination tournament in Grand Forks, North Dakota, played from March 12th to 16th getting all the teams there in one spot. Uh, Denver's two-time winner of the Frozen Face-Off. Different format, obviously brought on for obvious reasons. Uh, what are your thoughts on going to a single elimination deal? Yeah, I mean, I think um, 
when uh, the ADs and uh, the presidents, chancellors get together, they they really want to have a tournament, um, but they want to get it done in an efficient manner that we can crown a champion. That's been one of the the major goals of our league throughout the this season. Uh, getting through the pandemic was crowning uh, a playoff champion, and I think this format is the most efficient way of doing that with the single elimination. Um, we obviously prefer to play more playoff hockey, um, so we like the best of three series, but it is what it is. Understand where we're at and um, you know, expect, fully expected it to be at a single venue again versus you know four teams getting on planes or buses and then you know another four teams getting on planes or buses to get to one venue as we normally do so i think it it uh it all makes sense and um we're looking forward to to playoff hockey it's not far away the first time you won the nchc frozen faceoff and the first time anyone won the nchc frozen faceoff was in 2014 at the time the team was 16 14 and 6 in the regular season going into that. That was the same season that you rejoined Denver coming from Green Bay where you were an assistant. So do you draw any parallels to where this team is to where that team was? Yeah, I mean, that team was um, very inconsistent night to night. Um, We couldn't string much together in the second half. I I joined um, early in December. Uh, That was Monty's first year, and um, we certainly had – a lot of growing pains and and things that we were going through um more so probably to do with um just new systems new tactics things like that and um and the guys trying to to figure it all out and um i think by the end of the year obviously we uh we go on and and we win four games to to win the frozen face off and get to the national tournament extend the 20 win streak and um extend the national tournament streak and um, we actually lost game one. Uh, we were playing at Omaha. We were the sixth seed in the tournament that year um, in the NCHC tournament going to the three seed in Omaha. We lost game one, um, and we were able to win in three three games. Sam Britton uh, was unbelievable in that for us. And uh, going up to the frozen faceoff, we had to play Western and, and Miami. Miami was actually the eighth seed um, that year, and we the six and the eight played in the uh, NCHC championship game, which was a little bit odd. Uh, I don't think we've seen that since. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's some parallels for sure with, with the inconsistencies. And, um, you know, I think our job, again, as coaches, is to continue to push, continue to try and make sure that we're, we're trying to find ways to get better and, uh, again, be a different team. Um, six six games from now than we are today and and that's our focus that's our job and um, I like our hockey team I, I think we can still get better um, I think um, you know getting to the single elimination format and getting to Grand Forks and whatever it is three four weeks is an exciting opportunity for our group you head to Grand Forks this weekend. You're two and two this year against North Dakota. You have a couple wins: a three-two win against them, a four-one win against them. Uh, it seems like every game that you have played against North Dakota this year, and should mention, they're very good this year as well. Thirteen, four and one, first in the polls, first in the NCHC. Every game that you've played against them, it seems like it has brought out the best in your team. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think so. We've seen our most competitive, uh, most complete uh, efforts against them, um, you know, for the most part outside of the, um, you know, the first five minutes of the the second night here. I think that would have been a Monday night um, or a Sunday night in our building um, where obviously the, the first three to five minutes were, were no good. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's been really good hockey both ways and um, very physical, very emotional. 
Um, and I, I would expect the same this weekend up at uh, Ralph Engelstad Arena. Up next, we will speak with the Denver Pioneer assistant coach, Tavis McMillan, D.C. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate more, it. More Campus Lounge Coaches Show ahead. You're listening to the Campus Lounge Coaches Show on ESPN Denver 1600. Let me tell you a thing or two about the people who don't compromise. They love Pepsi Zero Sugar. Why? Because it's got all the flavor and zero the sugar. How's that for not compromising? They're the sort of person that likes surf with their turf. And the drink with their feast? Yeah, they have a Pepsi Zero Sugar. The person who doesn't compromise loves a good golden doodle. All the golden retriever goodness with just a hint of doodle. And when they're bringing said golden doodle for a walk, they bring a Pepsi Zero Sugar. Zero Sugar, done right. That's what I like. DU hockey fans, stop by Campus Lounge, legendary DU hockey bar and home of the David Carl Coaches Show. Take advantage of daily food and drink specials along with 12 TVs, a large outdoor seating area, and a great selection of food and drinks. Located just north of campus on University Boulevard, Campus Lounge is an official watch party location for your pioneers and has got you covered for all DU athletics. Be sure to follow us on social media and go Pios. Let's just try not to embarrass ourselves and everything will be fine. Is that a Pepsi Wild Cherry? Oh, no. <laughs> Too late. You know something, Steve? Flavor Mania is about to run wild. Oh, no, not Flavor Mania. <laughs> Pepsi Wild Cherry is about to drop a flavor suplex right into your pie hole. Not the pie it's going to hit your taste buds with a top rope elbow of flavor. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be refreshing. It's going to. Does this always have to happen when you drink Pepsi Wild Cherry? You better believe it, brother. Pepsi Wild Cherry, now available in zero sugar. That's what I like. We are back for the Campus Lounge Coaches Show. My name is Matthew McGreevy, joined alongside the Denver Pioneer assistant coach, Tavis McMillan, for this second segment. Denver Pioneers 7-10-1 this season, fifth in the NCHC with six games remaining on the schedule. That will start this weekend with a Friday-Saturday series in Grand Forks, North Dakota, against the number one Fighting Hawks, and then four games left on the schedule against Colorado College. Two of those pinned for February 26th and 27th. Two of those not yet nailed down. But, of course, we've seen a lot of things shift, so we take everything with a grain of salt, and we move as the schedule moves. But, Tavis, thank you so much for joining. Appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Matthew. Tavis, uh, we, have, we have a lot to get to today, uh, but, but unfortunately we opened the show earlier on a bit of a somber note as the Denver hockey community lost a member in Ralph Backstrom, passed away at 83 in his home in Windsor, Colorado. Ralph Backstrom did so much for the game as a player, over 1,000 games played over the course of 17 NHL seasons, and then he played 200-plus games in the WHA as well. Six-time Stanley Cup champ, six-time NHL All-Star, he comes to Denver. He's a, a, a leader of the team in 1986 that goes to the Frozen Four and wins 34 games. Uh, just just a, a truly impressive life. He's the founder, general manager, president at, at different times for the Colorado Eagles. But the one I want to ask you about, and I told you about it this morning, so I feel like I'm not springing anything on you here, is that he, of course, was the founder, founder of Roller Hockey International, and you actually played in that league for one season. Uh, so... A part of Ralph's life that probably has not gotten talked about as much as we look at his obituaries was his involvement in that league. What was it like to be a player in that league? Oh, it was interesting times because I played in the second year of existence. I mean, the first year was 93. I played in 94, and it was it was new. It was interesting. It was on ESPN, too, and obviously Ralph was a big part of getting the 
getting it out there in the media and we had you know there's games every week on tv it was it was we in san jose we were we were drawing great crowds it was a lot of fun we were in the playoffs la had a really good team anaheim had a really good team uh, we played in the division had calgary edmonton vancouver and that, it was all over the east coast in the midwest uh, it was a it was a real neat product it was a product probably at that time i don't know if it was designed for it necessarily but it was a bunch of minor league pro guys or and there was guys that uh, played that ended up in the nhl there was guys that played that were coming down from the nhl so it was kind of a you had a whole spectrum of players there college guys minor pro guys but uh, San Jose was a great place to play. Met a lot of guys there and uh, still some friends today. I was looking at the roster before we hopped on today, and almost all the guys were mid-20s. The The entire age range just ran from 20 to 28, and 28 was on the high end. I believe there was one 28-year-old and one 26-year-old. I mean, what what was it like to... <laughs> well, I was coming out of college uh, and didn't know what I was gonna, what I was, what I was really doing, but most of the guys that I played with were guys who were playing in you know, the East Coast League and probably wondering what am I going to do for this summer oh wait a minute you'll pay me to come play roller (laughs) hockey and live in San Jose okay I'm in and you know even Roy Roy Sommer was our coach he still coaches uh the Barracuda their American League team he's coached San Jose's American League team for man I don't know how many years but pretty much since I left there it seems like so there's been continuity and uh as far as and actually one of our goaltender at that time uh CC grad uh, works for the Sharks now so there were some guys that were in San Jose that are still part of San Jose. And our ownership, uh, our management group and stuff was, I think, tied in somehow with the Sharks because Rob Zettler was an assistant coach. Even uh, our GM of the Rhinos, or consultant maybe at the time, um, is now the GM of the Sharks. You know, So there was a lot of ties. It was a good time. And we speak about this in relation to the life of Ralph Backstrom, who passed away at 83 earlier this week, a former Pioneer head coach. You're listening to the Campus Lounge Coaches Show. My name is Matthew McGreevy, joined alongside the Denver Pioneers assistant coach, Tavis McMillan. And Tavis, I guess we get to, to your background in a roundabout way as we talked about what happened on the back end of your playing career, playing in Roller Hockey International for the San Jose Rhinos in 94. But played for Alaska Fairbanks in college for four years from 90 to 94. Uh, he played two years of pro and then you got right into coaching first as an assistant at Fairbanks and then as a head for a few years. He spent multiple years as a, cow, uh, a scout in Winnipeg, the Jets organization, formerly a Thrashers organization, and then came to Denver in 2015. So it has been a, a long way around for you. You've been involved in every capacity. I wanted to know, you only played two years professional after you finished playing college hockey, and then you got right into coaching. What was your entry point to coaching? Yeah, I was. Uh, I still remember. I went to lunch with uh, an alumni at Fairbanks, and we just we'd done it before. And he said, "Would you be interested in coaching?" And well, if you'd read my any of my writings in college, it was all about how I wanted to coach someday and scout. Those are the two things I always wanted to do, and I jumped at the opportunity to get into coaching. I mean, uh, my my wife and I had a newborn, our oldest, Taryn, at the time, and. I was uh, I had gotten a huge break out of college to work for the pro team in Fairbanks under John Rosie, who ended up moving the team actually here to uh, Colorado Springs. They were the Colorado Gold Kings, but they were the Alaska Gold Kings, and I got a chance to do that for a year, and then uh, got the opportunity to university. It was too good of a situation to pass up. This job seems to be a perfect blend between those two things that you said many years ago you identified you wanted to work in, coaching and and scouting, because your role here with Denver 
and probably the largest piece of it is recruiting. Would you say this is maybe a perfect marriage of, of your hockey interests, your oh, role here? Yeah, absolutely. There's no question. And that's probably what's made, if I've had, say, things this year with COVID that have bothered me or, or made me uneasy at times, it's my inability or our inability to get out and recruit and get on the road and scout because that was... Uh, a big part of what I love about this game is the talent evaluation is getting out on the road and uh, and watching games and having a butt in the seat and meeting meeting kids and meeting coaches and and just going through that whole process and and now I'm watching it on I'm watching on a computer you know fast hockey and it's not the same it's just not the same but the scouting aspect but then again when I was doing the NHL scouting I really missed the player interaction I missed the recruiting process of it I missed the daily grind of, co- of coaching as well and this job just happens like you said to be able to combine uh, the best of both worlds when you're when you're pinned with recruiting solely off video you're also pinned with recruiting off video that oftentimes the the cameraman is not going to be winning any any awards for for filming uh you're, well, you're... you should see some of the stuff I watch <laughs> <laughs> it's unreal so so you're you're now put in a spot where you have to do this for you've had to do it for a year now right yeah. and you've you're been you've been subjected to whatever video it is that you get how would have recruiting the current pioneer freshman been different had you not been able to see the whole picture? Had you not been able to see the play away from the puck? Because we know we know what makes Carter Savoy great. We know what makes Mike Benning great. But there are some other guys that didn't have exceptional numbers in junior hockey, but but have made a, a pretty good impact here with the team and obviously had good careers in junior as well. So how how would that have changed? Yeah, and there's no question. I mean, you can't build a puzzle with all the same pieces, right? You need different pieces. And uh, Connor Capone adds value differently than Carter Savoy adds value. It's just the way it is. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, good players find a way to be in the play. And whether they're uh, contributing as a Connor Capone would or as a Mike Benning would, it's completely different. But they all find a way to get into the middle of the action and become, they add value, right? They add value and the, the camera usually picks it up because they're in the, right in the middle of the play. It's just different. Over the course of, of this season with the coaches' shows, we've talked about a lot of the different freshmen, but one that we really haven't touched on too much is, is one that has an interesting story. McCade Webster, right now he's got three goals, five assists, eight points through 18 games played. Uh, over the course of the last two seasons in Green Bay, he only played a total of 30 games. He, he ran into some injury trouble, had to get some work done, and then he's able to come into Denver, and now he's he's played all 18 games this season. So what have you thought about McCade Webster's development? And, and I have to imagine that as somebody who has followed his career for as long as you have, it's nice to see him actually getting in regularly. Yeah, and of those 30 games that he played over the course of two seasons in junior, most of those were injured. He was fighting through injury and pain and uh, I remember the last time uh, I watched him play a junior game, I think DC and I were both there that night, he was playing in a ton of pain. And he had finally made the decision after that game to have the hip surgeries. Um, and the year before, it was the wrist injury. And so he, he's never had a chance to play a full, basically uh, uh, in the last three years, a, a really a full year, but not only that, but to spend a summer preparing and getting stronger and getting bigger. and. Um, now having he he's had a heck of a year for us so far as a freshman, but I get really excited about the thoughts and ideas of him being able to spend a summer devoted to training and getting stronger instead of having just to do rehab all the time. The poor guy's been rehabbing nonstop for two three years, and you never get it. You're constantly trying to play catch up with your body, and he's never had the ability just to invest in himself 
as far as his body and strength and stuff like that. So this summer will be huge for him. I think people will see a much different McCabe Webster next year. I'm excited about it because I think he's going to take a giant step. This leads kind of nicely into into the last thing that I wanted to touch on with you this week. And again, you're listening to the Campus Lounge Coaches Show with the Denver Pioneers assistant coach, Tavis McMillan. My name, Matthew McGreevy. Uh, we look at some of the pioneers that have made the jump to the NHL in recent years. Of course, Ian Mitchell headlining that group after having played here last year. And he's made a name for himself with the Chicago Blackhawks, specifically in the last stretch where he's a plus five over the, over the last five games. He has 13 shots this year in a total of 14 games, and six of those shots uh, are coming in the last six games. Uh, I watched him last night. Again, he's on the ice in three-on-three overtime. What have you thought of Ian Mitchell's development as an NHLer? Yeah, it was fun watching him last night. I was watching. I watched a ton of hockey last night. I don't think my wife was really excited about it, especially as we head on the road here. But uh, I watched uh, some of Ian's game last night, and you can see the growth and the confidence in Ian's game. Like it, it's he's such an energetic, passionate kid. You could see early on in the in the season he was just so energetic and so and probably a little too much almost. Now you're seeing him start to slow the game, slowing down for him a little bit, and he's getting more comfortable and confident. It's fun to watch. We could talk about every pioneer, I feel like, because all of them have interesting storylines. But the other one that, of course, we have to touch on would be Logan O'Connor, who's played a few games for the Avalanche, getting called up uh, with, with them running into some injury trouble among their forward lineup. Um, there was an article written in The Athletic earlier this week that highlighted how in 2016, he played in 22 of the first 25 games for the Pioneers, and then he sat out for 15 of the last 16 games. And for his entire college career after that, he found his way to be a regular in the lineup. Um, do you, is Logan O'Connor a guy that you draw upon when you, when you evaluate oh, current players? I've used him a lot just in conversations with kids and how to be patient, how to be a pro. Because even in those games, those pro- I remember the weeks, because I had lots of conversations with Logan during that time when he was a healthy scratch. And uh, his attitude never changed. Like, he came to the rink to practice and to play hard every day. He made, you know, we made that run that year. We had an unreal second half and made the run to Tampa to the Frozen Four and uh, lost in the semis. But he made us better every day in practice. And he never played. But he made us better every day. There was a guy, he pushed everyone. He was, and you could tell that, okay, it's going to come. Like, it's going to come. It's not quite there yet, but it's going to come. And he always had this ability, whether it was junior or midget, to the next year to take a step, you know. And you could, his work ethic was second, uh, second to none. And he needed a little bit of strength, you know, to be able to um, sustain what he wanted to do as far as possessing pucks. And his puck pressure was always so good. Now he could stay on pucks longer and he could force turnovers and he could possess pucks down low and he was a handful for opposing. But he never he never complained, he never whined, he never whimpered. He never, uh, there was no pity parties. There was never a pity party for a kid that probably for the vast majority of any other programs in the NCAA would be in a lineup every night. And uh, he just kept getting better every day. And you just knew that something, if this kid had that much will and that much compete in him, that it, things were going to work out for him. Speaking about Logan O'Connor as the pioneers making an impact in the NHL. Well, Tavis, thank you so much for joining for another Campus Lounge Coaches Show. I appreciate the time. Yeah, no, Matt. I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. It's nice to chat with you. This has been the Campus Lounge Coaches Show. The Denver Pioneers back at it this weekend against North Dakota. Both games will be broadcast on 104.3 The Fan. We'll talk to you next time.